Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. <laughs> You're sleepy again because we just watched Doctor Who. Well, I don't think I'm sleepy because we watched Doctor Who. I think I'm sleepy because we have been walking around in London a lot. And my usual daily steps are probably on my uh, Fitbit eh, six to seven thousand. And I think I was at 20,000 today and 24,000 the day before and I don't 18,000. It's been a lot of steps. I'm so tired. So tired. And our sleep pattern has been different because of our vacation and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. so it's been, so we only watched the one episode of the smugglers while we're here. Yeah. The plan was to, we came back from dinner we met um, fellow incomparable podcast network podcast host mm-hmm. Quinn Quinn Rose, uh, who is host of the new musicals podcast. That, yes, that's right. N- the name of which I'm currently forgetting because I'm half asleep. Um, but it was awesome to meet a fellow podcaster from the incomparable way over in London. How random is that? Um, had wonderful <laughs> curry, got super full, came back, and we we're like, "Yeah, we're gonna finish the Smugglers." And it's going to be great. We only have two episodes to go. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of snuggled down in, in bed, in our guest bed. Thank you to Johnny and Catherine for hosting us here. And oh my goodness, I think I started to drift off two or three times. Not because I wasn't interested, but because I'm full of food and lethargy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Plus, you know, the the mental Pavlovian response that comes with cool. yeah. it is like eleven thirty or something right now as we record this. Uh, is after midnight now. What? Mm-hmm. It is midnight. Okay, it's midnight exactly right now. Well, I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, uh, before we talk about um the smugglers part three, some business. I think we hinted that we might be doing a meetup on the Tuesday night. I don't think it's going to happen oh. now because we were ambitious, mm-hmm. possibly, and. Yeah, we never really arranged anything. So, yeah, no meetup. Mm-hmm. We're in London exploring mm-hmm. all the things and stuff, but there won't be a sort of a meetup because that takes too much planning. And mm-hmm. we don't plan too much because why? We're lazy. Exactly. So before you uh, nod off and um, pass out on mm-hmm. me here on this podcast, um, the the... the the, there have been twists and turns mm-hmm. in the saga of the smugglers where now Cooper mm-hmm. and Pike, I mean, uh, Cooper and the Squire are planning to perhaps thwart um, Pike's impending invasion of the town and they're going to try and steal the gold. But then also the Doctor and Ben and Polly are also going to try and steal the gold and use it as sort of a um, a bargaining tool to, mm-hmm. to get Pike to not invade the town. So things are afoot. Mm-hmm. And well, the doctor has the, the secret. So he's, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's why he's going at it. The, uh, the random words that, that, uh, the, the guy told him. Light church warden. Light twin, yeah. The church warden. Yeah. Um, told him, turns out, uh, probably names from, from graves. And it was Ben and Polly being bored and just kind of wandering around and doing exactly the same kind of thing that I would would do. Like if we had nothing better to do, you and I, I, I would start. Sure, I'd start looking at graves and seeing, you know, who they were and when they died and that kind of thing. And um, I just I like that such a little human moment like that led to the doctor's sort of aha moment, which was that was kind of great. 
Mm-hmm. I have moral obligation to like mm-hmm. protect this tag. She said that mm-hmm. I have a moral obligation. There was no use nailing his colors to the mass there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really like that. That seems so, so much like a hallmark of late, late first doctor, late mm-hmm. William Hartnell doctor. You know, he's he's not just passing through and trying to get back to the TARDIS. He's not just being curious about something and wanting to find out. He is. He is taking it upon himself to defend this place in this time. And I just, I think that's uh, that's pretty neat. I also like the way that he went about telling Ben and Paul, you know, Ben's like, oh, come on, let's just get out of here. You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And perhaps in previous years with Hartnell, he would sort of snap back at Ben. No, no, silly boy. We must mm-hmm. stay and fight and everything. But he's sort of like very calmly, no. I have a moral obligation to do this. This is just what we have to do. Very calm, collected, that sort of thing. It's. I find that he's he's kind of mellowing a little bit with mm-hmm. um, with Ben and Polly mm-hmm. during these late stages of of his era. You know. Yep. He has. He's sort of mellowed in his own age, and now he has two adults with him, without a child mm-hmm. along, and they can. You know, fairly well take care of themselves even in situations like this as he has discovered so he doesn't have to have that sort of you know caretaker role as much as he had before certainly not as much as he had with Susan because that was really really strong um with Vicky it was more kind of friendly and avuncular than just you know grandfatherly but he still he still really protected protected and cared for her mm-hmm. and well, and then there was Dodo, but you know, <laughs> she was a special case, but you know, she needed protection for maybe entirely different reasons. Yeah. Drugs. <laughs> or something. Uh, and yeah, so now he has these two self-sufficient swinging companions <laughs> and, and he's, he's kind of standing on his, I mean, he thought he was going to be going off on his own when he left because he was, he was just ready to leave Dodo behind and they just snuck in behind him anyway after he had heard that dodo was leaving so so yeah this is this is a doctor who has i think to some degree prepared himself to sort of take on take on this this role a little bit going forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to see in a way I, of course you know the the um doyleist in me of course puts the this at the feet of innis lloyd and mm-hmm. um jerry davis is sort of like this is sort of the path or setting for for doctor who and this sort of might carry on into the mm-hmm. whatever carnation they incarnation rather they take on as the series goes along mm-hmm. yeah they've this they seem to be molding him more into the you know the I don't want to use the words like savior or superhero because that's not what they were, I think, even going for. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, the guy who's at the center of things and takes takes action and, and you know, because up until this point, it, it was often somebody else that was really sort of the center of things. He wasn't the... Um, he he wasn't the center of things at the at the beginning for sure. You had your point of view characters were more Ian and Barbara, and even as things went on, the point of view characters were, you know, surrounded the companions a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was kind of a, a gradual shift too, because it became depending on the companion more and more about the 
relationship between the doctor and the companions, mm. which was interesting, you know, early on because that was his relationship with Barbara, you know, and Susan and, and Ian, you know, but, but I think it became, there was a subtle shift from companions to doctor um, all the way through. And we're really, we're really kind of there. I mean, I am eating up um, Ben and Polly with a spoon. Like that's <laughs> just, I, I love every scene with them, but I feel like narratively the doctor at this point is holding his own in terms of, the you know the story and what is happening in it as much as they are mm. i do find that the, that this doctor perhaps more than any other is sort of molded by his companions more influenced by them despite mm-hmm. what he wants you to think and how much he think wants to think that he's in control i think they're the ones that sort of help shape him the most mm-hmm. and i mean i've always said that it was largely ian and barbara who taught the first doctor how to how to be who the doctor is you know he had he had spent time on earth clearly a number of times before with susan but he was always sort of a recluse and just living in the tardis and didn't have to interact with humans very much Mm -hmm. except for you know the occasional person who he name dropped later Uh, but then he was forced to travel with them for so long and ended up with human after human after human in the tardis and really picked up on the the best of humanity i like to think and that's that's what set him on the path that, that, you know, makes him what he becomes for much, 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 much longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to watch this period of Doctor Who, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sort of seeing where the, how the character develops and, mm-hmm. and moves into what we sort of closer to what we sort of know of him mm-hmm. today. And it's good that I have that aspect of it tonight because, as I said, I'm so tired. <laughs> I found myself almost like drifting to sleep and like... It was it was almost like I was sideways sliding into a dream about at like treasure or something, mm-hmm. and then like my head would kind of come up, and I'd be like, "Where's the treasure?" Oh, okay, we're still. This is you know. So I I don't think I actually missed anything because I wasn't out that much. But you know, we we did get to see some some goods that were hidden. Some a, smuggling, if you will. Yes, yes. Um, we've had a lovely weekend, and we were talking a little bit about the smugglers with uh, Paul Cornell and Dave Probert, and I don't remember if anybody else was there at the time, uh, but we were talking about this episode and, and how confusing the storyline really is. And even after watching this, I'm still not entirely sure what Cooper was was trying to do he was trying to get pike on side i guess but then he was trying to convince the doctor that he was there to to work against pike or something um i liked the doctor using tar- tarot cards or cards mm-hmm. uh, to, to divination cards um to trick poor jamaica um i was gonna say poor jamaica mm-hmm. who we actually got to watch be killed thank you i assume australia yeah australia mm-hmm yeah. Um, so yeah, while there's still some <laughs> Australia killed Jamaica, that's an odd phrase to say, but anyway, <laughs> I did not expect to hear that yeah. sentence today. Um, so I'm still, especially being so sleepy, not entirely clear on all of the motivations and exactly what's happening. Um, but when we were talking about it earlier, we were sort of wondering, like, does any smuggling actually happen in this story? Um, and Dave was like, oh, it's, it's the potential smugglers. Yeah. And Paul was like, we should rename it that. But um, but I think I can I can reassure both of them that there 
things have been smuggled, uh, whether in or out, because we've got this whole um, crypt or something. Yeah, crypt. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's full of of goods and, and stuff and and brandy and yeah, or whiskey or so, any some sort of boozy substance was in there. So I don't know if that was on its way into the country or out, but but yes, things have been smuggled. Yep, and now um, Cooper was shot in the back, thanks again to the Australian censors, by, mm-hmm. I think it was Pike, no, it was Cherub, Cherub who threw a knife, sorry, not shot, mm-hmm. he shoot or threw the knife, I don't remember, it all happened so quick, um, but it looks like Cooper was shot, perhaps killed, we'll find out in episode four. I thought it was a knife just because Cherub tends to use knives. That's true, very good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, he's he's kind of an icky, icky yeah. bad guy. Is indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find out what happens to all of our heroes and indeed mm-hmm. the villains in episode four, The Smugglers, which will hopefully maybe come up before we leave London. Fingers crossed, probably not. Maybe not. I, I don't know. You look so hopeful there, but I, I don't know when. If only because, I mean, the fact that we're almost up to the 10th planet right now mm-hmm. and given what's happening in in. in contemporary Doctor Who with the mm-hmm. Mondasian Cybermen returning. I find it very apt that we're reviewing the original story at around the same time that they mm-hmm. are re-debuting in the new series some 51 years later. That is really strange that the timing worked out that way. That is that is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I have so many thoughts and theories and speculative nonsense mm-hmm. regarding the 10th planet and how it might tie in mm-hmm. to the end of the Peter Capaldi era that I can't wait to watch it. I know. I, I, I'm right now I'm like, we can make it to Saturday. There's so much between then and now, but mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. I just hope I live to see it. My constitution, that my constitution holds and I can make it through all the things that happen between then and now. And that'll be the first episode of Doctor Who that we watch together in our new apartment once we have moved. That's true. We get home from London, um, then we move to an entirely new home, and then we watch Doctor Who mm-hmm. in that order, almost in that timeline. Yeah, it's pretty much all of that is going to happen within the space of 36 hours or something. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, that's that's exciting, lazy Doctor Who news. The... Uh, the the couch will be the same couch, mm-hmm. but it will be in a different, different location. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very scary. Yeah. So hopefully we'll finish off the smugglers before then. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Because we're lazy like that. Heck yeah. So let's get you to bed and mm-hmm. to sleep, and to all of you at home, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>